can't believe you did that show. And I'm like, what are you doing watching that show? You're like 28, <laughs> get a life, no. <laughs> like that's reruns. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. So how long have you been um, filmmaking for? I've been filmmaking since, well, it's, it's kind of a funny thing because I had a weird sort of trajectory into my film career. I was doing welding ironwork and I had a welding ironwork business when I was in my early 20s. And then I had done some stuff related to film in terms of that I was like a video editor when I was in high school. You know, I worked at a small production company part time that they, I mean, they were doing like weddings and bar mitzvahs and things like that. But I loved it. I loved learning like editing on these old school decks. Oh, that's you know? cool. And then at the time, I was also interested in film. So I was taking classes at the School of Visual Arts and in New York City. That was like on the Are weekend. you New York born and raised? Born and raised? I was born. I was born in Manhattan, raised mm. in the Bronx. Then my family moved up to Westchester, which is the suburbs of uh, New York City. I don't know how well you know New York. Or yeah, not so much the suburbs. I'm not, not very familiar. But it's like, you know, like 20, 20 minutes outside of Manhattan, really. Okay. Um, and then, so like even on Saturdays, I would take this class in Manhattan at the School of Visual Arts. Um, when I was like a junior in high school. And I remember the first feeling wow. of starting to do that was like, wow, this is a crazy amount of work, you know? And I, yeah. I, I think this 16 year old me felt daunted by how encompassing and how much work it was to actually. Mm. And, I, and also I think just because I grew up in sort of like a first generation, I was the first generation American. My parents are immigrants. And mm. said, what nationality? Albanian. Oh, it's interesting because your name obviously is unique. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, my parents, it's not like they ever said, hey, don't go to film school or anything like that. But it, it, at the time, it just felt like, well, what the hell is that? You know, so I ended up going yeah. to school and studied business and then started my own welding ironwork business. But I was always obsessed with wow. movies. And then once the, the welding, that stuff sort of took off, I had this epiphany and, you know, I ended up uh, transitioning and becoming getting into filmmaking you know how old were I, you when you had the epiphany i was like 25 i think i so see you were like fairly young that's great i felt it's funny because it's funny you say that because at the time i felt old to kind of do like a life change even though it's not it's still young but it's because you know i'd already finished college so i'm like hey do i go back to school do i not go back to school and it's funny because i always tell the students and it's tr like i i truly mean it i wish i knew about film connections at that time mm. that would have been the perfect sort of program mm. for somebody to kind of show me the ropes and you know because i was like do i go to back to school but i already went to school um but at the same time i didn't know anything so i told i learned everything right. on my own through trial and error and then i kind of partnered up with these guys that went to film school and then at the beginning they used to sort of chew me out like oh zeph this is this and that's that and blah 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 but then after years of me doing it then they were like, you know what, Zeph, like, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you know more than us now. So, <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. I wish like I had a mentor in this business, um, you know, coming through it because I just made so many mistakes and I like all trial and error, you know, it took me a lot longer. I think <laughs> it took me a long time to sort of like figure it out. I mean, I'm still figuring it out. I'm sure as, I mean. you know, well, that's what I like still... about this field too. It's a lifetime of learning, you know, there's yes. more to learn. There's always more to do and more to more ways to challenge yourself, you know? Yeah. Agreed.
Um, so I guess like we'll get we'll get started. Lori, tell me a little bit about yourself, and I guess just an intro of who you are. Are we starting? Yes, if that's okay. As, yeah, yeah, let's start. Um, well, my name is Lori Fortier, and I am uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. Believe it or not, in a suburb. Oh, to, cool. uh, so you grew up in LA. Yeah, that's, I grew up in LA. However, I was, I grew up in a, a suburb um, and my parents were in the medical profession. So my exposure to Hollywood was not, not I was, it was not part of my, my world growing up. But and you got the anyway, bug, you said at a young age, like when you were like 19, right? Like you yeah, even before that, you know, I would say I was the kind of kid that was super shy. However, like any house or any place that I would go to, I would immediately like find a stage and then find an excuse to like, you know, do a little song and dance and get everybody like get everybody's attention. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I think high school, I did some plays, um, but I was into soccer. So I pursued that. It wasn't until I had gone to college, decided that was not what I wanted. And I, came back down, moved back in with my parents. I'm shocked that they like let me. And I just started going to auditions when I was about 19. And like four months later, I booked my first TV series. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It, That's really, it, what was the series? I'm sure you it was it. called, yeah, it was called Running the Halls. And it was, um, it came on right after Saved by the Bell. Oh, um, <laughs> I yeah, don't remember was, running the halls, but I did watch Save yeah, My Halls. Yeah. I know. Nobody really remembers the show, but it was actually very cool for its time because it was shot single camera style, which back then was pretty uncommon. Um, so, yeah, I played like the rebel. Um, I played Holiday Friedman and uh, we did 13 episodes. And I went from being like, you know, college student, like working various jobs to making like $2,000 a week, which I was like, that's amazing. Score. Especially <laughs> like at that time. I mean, even now that would be amazing for an actor, right? You know, like that's like getting into the business. It's amazing for most people. And you know, uh, yeah. Um, to be doing but especially something that you so young, right out of the gate at that time, it was like, you know, pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. It, it was. And, um, you know, I remember I had been, I moved back down. I started an acting class and, um, you know, I went into this audition, like, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. It, it really was because I just, I had no idea, you yeah, know, no I fear. went, no fear. Yeah. I, you know, they're like, okay, so you, they want to see you again. Okay, great. And then they want to see you again. And, you know, it's called a network test. I had no idea what that was. You walk into this room and back then, you know, it would, it, they would just be the network tests would be these rooms full of like 20, 30 suits. But I was so naive and like fearless and never questioned that the part wasn't going to be mine. I don't even think I was aware that there were like other people that they were reading. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I did that. I did that for 13 episodes. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And is that, do you still, is that like available? Is that, is that show? Have, like, oh, is, is it like yeah. the type of thing where did they ever like release it on DVD later on or like that? Sort you know, of thing? I don't think they ever did. I think um, there are clips on YouTube oh, okay. that I've seen, but I've never, um, no, I've never seen it. I've never seen it released. Yeah. 
Um, but I made some great friendships. I'm actually still friends with the cast. We, we are still, yeah. One went on to become um, a director. He's now um, directing television and the other uh, focused mainly on like comedy. Um, and one became a lawyer and yeah, we all kept in touch. That's really cool. It's funny yeah. that you mentioned that because I was just listening to a podcast. My friend, a friend of mine runs a podcast and he had, um, do you know who Eric Nice is? He was on The Real World, the first season of The Real World on MTV. And he was like the first okay. reality TV star. You probably would recognize him. He also, if I saw him. Yeah, he also used to host a show called The Grind on MTV. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. And he was the, the host grind. of that show. And yeah. he was just mentioning that, he, like, I guess, because, you know, the first season of The Real World was, like, 91 or 92. Yeah, I mean, it was like pretty huge, wasn't it? It was, like, the first thing like that, you know? Like, yeah. It was, you know, before, that was, like, the literally the first reality TV show. And yeah. And he was saying that he also keeps in touch with his cast members. And I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool that they keep in touch. They have like a group text and, you know, that sort of thing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's So do you guys get together like once in a while or like? We we actually did. We got together because somebody had all the episodes like transferred onto uh, DVD, which is now like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, so now I got to get it onto like a USB so I can show my kids. But uh, Yeah, 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 we got together at my house actually about six years ago. Nice. Um, well, that's good that you, at least you have the episode. That makes me happy because some, some, yeah. sometimes these things get completely lost. So that's, that's awesome that you have them. You know? Yeah, it was, it was sweet. It was a sweet show. That's really cool. Now I'm curious yeah. to see it. Yeah. Um, and I know you've done a bunch of stuff since then. You've had, you know, uh, you have many, many credits on IMDb and working on all kinds of television as well as feature films. Um, you know, actually, we're going to jump into student questions. So this, like, kind Great. of on topic, uh, Michael is asking, my film student, Michael is asking, what was it like working on Boy Meets World? How, oh, how does work differ from the time you spent working on Boy Meets World until now? How does the work differ? Is the, I mean, I'm sure the business has gone through so many changes. I know less about television than I do about film. Film. But- yeah so in terms of what like how has it changed in terms of where i'm at creatively well how does it change in general like broadly like like is it um i mean is the process any different in terms of landing work like you know i mean people still have to go on auditions although at this period with this whole covid19 it makes me wonder if that's gonna just radically be a game changer i think it will yes i think it will too um Right. Okay. So to answer the question, uh, yes, it has, the business has changed absolutely in the last 20 years. And for me, the the biggest thing is like, it kind of used to be like you would sit at home and like wait for your agent to ring you. And if you got an audition, um, I lived like with my parents. And so I was about 30 minutes outside of Hollywood, LA um if i so had a an audition, geographic distance like yes like, yeah so if i got an audition i would have to um get in my car at any time of day or night that it was drive to my agent's um office and there would be a script like waiting in an envelope <laughs> and then i have to like drive back prepare it and then you know go on this um audition which back then they were 
they were always in person and they tended to be like rooms full of a lot of people. And, um, you know, I had auditions for pilots, like not a big deal. This is before like all the stars started, started, um, you know, they, they started like wanting to do television before the industry changed and TV became what it is now. So there were more of those opportunities available to um, like a working actress like myself. Um, in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, so but that's, that's actually fascinating, Lori, because especially the younger generation, like doesn't really think about how just like those little technical differences. I remember even like when I was young, just making plans with friends of mine. It's like, Hey, let's meet in front of Ray's pizza at eight o'clock or whatever <laughs> before the age of cell phones. So then you uh -huh. have to, and before GPS too, which yeah. is also pretty noteworthy. So you had to like, if you made plans with somebody, you had to, and especially if it's going someplace that you'd never been before, you have to yes. map out where you're going. Like, and how did literally. you map it out? Uh, so when I my did- My little friend called the Thomas Guide, right? I had, yeah, we had like these like, <laughs> like books. So I, I worked for my dad for many uh -huh. years who had a locksmithing business in the Bronx. And one of my roles was to like, you know, bring the workers out with the van to different parts of New York City, Brooklyn, Queens, and Queens, mm. very confusing. You know, mm. like, you know, and I was like a 17 year old, like just got my license. I'm now I'm driving this like Ford Astro van through different parts of New York city and like holding up a map and trying <laughs> to figure out where the hell we're going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that, then sometimes you get lost and ask people. And then of course, then they shame you like, Hey, this guy is like trying to get over here. It's like, are you kidding me? You're, you're in the wrong spot, you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's right. And that, that's, that was exactly what it was. Like a Thomas guide. I'd look up, where's my appointment? And okay, page, you know, seven. Remember you had to like figure out the coordinates. Yes. Totally. <laughs> the location. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. And then just like having to drive to get the script, whereas now it's just emailed to you instantly. Um, it's yeah. The technology aspect that is interesting has changed. And yeah, it streamlined a lot of things. I think like we were just, mentioning it's going to even do more so i think more auditions are going to be um virtual or people are just going to want to look at reels more often versus yeah looking in a room well that has been interesting because the whole self-tape industry it you know i'd say it's been about like five years maybe six seven years you know of like self-tapes and it, every year it progressively i get more self-tape appointments and less in person. And um, I have to say like on, I think it was like March 12th, like right when COVID was, we knew something was happening, but nothing had been shut down yet. I actually had an appointment for a pilot at Disney. Um, and it was a cute script. It was actually single camera and they um, canceled the appointment for everybody. And they had like everybody just self-tape. Yeah. So um I think like there's, I think it just, there's a, there's been a push and this will probably like push it over the edge because it saves time. Like these, you know, when you're, um, when you're, um, doing an episode of television, your time is so like limited from the producing standpoint and the directing standpoint, you have like constant meetings and your prep time is like, you're just going from one thing to the next and they don't have time to like hold casting sessions. I, it's just, I see how from their end, how it is much easier to just like get sent the link with like the, you know, top five choices and everybody chimes in on the email and they make their decision that way. I, um, and I even know like this, 
yeah. pilot season, they um, they were casting um, they were casting off tape series regular roles, which that like rarely happens. So they were like foregoing the the test process, and just like your tape is your test. Um, wow. Yeah. And I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. Of course, you know, there's nothing like being in a room as an actor and feeling the energy and like that live performance aspect. On the other hand, when you're in a room with yourself tape guy, or maybe you're home and you're doing it yourself, like you get to control it. You get to like pick which tape, tape um, you know, you want to use. And yes, if, yeah. there, if there's like nerves or whatever, you're having a bad day, you can like get past that. Yeah. So I've learned you can spend to spend actually... more time on it, certainly. And it's not like, you know, you can control that first impression that you're making. There's more control over that. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I've learned to like embrace the self tape. Nice. Yeah. No, that makes <laughs> yeah. perfect sense, actually. Yeah. Um, so, Victor is asking what, what initially inspired you to become an actress? And you were talking about that a little bit that you grew up in LA, but like, what was that? Uh, what was that thing that made you really decide to go for it? Hmm. Um, well, I think it was like a slow love affair, you know? I mean, like I say, I was like definitely like a shy child. And so for me, the draw has always been like, oh, I get to like hide behind somebody else's words and be somebody else. I get to like play pretend. Yeah. Um, but like the first, I don't think I fully embraced it until I'd kind of been like knocked down a couple times. So that this, the running the hall series I was telling you about, like after that ended, I did not work for a year. And then I was like, Oh, wait a second, you know? And then I started like taking more classes and like this whole, what is this auditioning process? And um, then it just kind of slowly became this, like this, thing that I like I grew to love and not that you know I never questioned I I really never questioned like doing anything else um I think that's yeah that that makes sense though you have to you have to like absolutely love it though because let's be honest you know it's hard to make like a lot of money unless you're you know a movie star or like top, you know, top tier director for the most of us, like working class, it's a grind. Yeah. And, and unless you're like super fucking passionate about it, then there's just going to be somebody else. that's like going to want it more and going to like go the extra mile. Yes. I was just having the same exact conversation about just filmmaking in general, very mm. broadly with a friend of mine um, earlier today is like a collaborator and uh we we're saying the same exact thing it it almost has to be like an affliction <laughs> it has to be something that just it has to be something that really like there's almost something i don't want to say something wrong with you but it's like you're so driven that you know you ha- you yeah. have to be that driven to really pursue this thing you know yeah it's so it's true and like just disciplined in your like persisting of it like on the persis- persistence Persisting. I'm so happy that you say that because I've, I've been told that about, you know, people have said that about me. They're like, you are such a persistent bastard. Mm. <laughs> you have to be, but you have to be in this business. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear somebody else say that, you know, yeah. like to talk about that, those aspects of it. Because people that don't know 
um, and they're not involved with the business, they think like, oh, you just have to be like creative and you just have to be talented. It's like, yeah, but what, what is that? If you really di- like dissect those things down, what, what are those things? Talent mm. is actually, if you really look at it, it's a re- repeatable skill. Mm. Like if somebody's talented at piano, it means that, you know, they could play those keys at a precise moment. It's a repeatable skill set. You know, it's not just they randomly woke up like, you know, when they were four years old and then they were just, you know, a yeah, that could play piano. It's because they've done this over and, and over, doing over it and, and doing over it over again. Right. And it ties into the dis- discipline. And here's the thing about that, too, is like you can be like the most talented. You can walk into the room. You can absolutely nail it. And they might like love you. But guess what? You still don't get the part because they knew the other actor that was up for it. And they oh, I always say that. Yeah. Before. Somebody could have so crushed it on the audition, but they just don't yeah. look like the sister to the brother that was already cast or whatever. Something like something that's out of their control. So actually me as a director, I always give credit to actors that come into that room because, you know, it's not easy. I know that, you know, you're, you're kind of just like putting yourselves like out there and you know it's uh you know time and time again. yeah yeah and so yeah, I, and I always then, give sort of credit for everybody that comes in that room no matter what what they do like you know how well they perform or not because you know it takes guts to do that you know yeah and and there are those like roles that come your way that and they're not they're they're, they're kind of foreign to you to be honest but the ones that you just like absolutely fall in love with you're like i have to play this part you know, and then yeah. you don't get it. And it's like, it's like, ugh. so actually it's funny you mentioned that you. because if you were, uh, that ties directly to one of Damien's questions. If there is a role that you were up for and didn't get, what would you do differently as opposed to the actor that did? I mean, that's a tough question. Cause oh. we're just mentioning that, that sometimes it's out of your control. Right. Well, yeah. And but then also was there there's... ever like, I guess maybe talk us through those moments where, you've had those sort of thoughts of like, Hey, I should have done this differently. Or I should have, you know? Well, the thing is, is I actually don't really make it a point to like seek out who got the role. Um, just because it's kind of like time consuming. And no, I tend that to sounds like, like, that sounds like good advice just for somebody's <laughs> own, just for your own sanity. Honestly. Your own like, sanity, yeah. I mean, sometimes I do. And, and then, yeah sometimes the person that got the part, it's not that they were more talented. It's just that like they had a bigger name or, um, you know, they worked with uh, the lead and, you know, or they knew somebody. Um, So yeah. And, and I would say like, yeah, so I, I can't really answer because if I'm not looking to see who got the part and watching their performance, then I can't really, I don't have anything to compare it to. Um, but I will say that when you walk into the room or you put yourself on tape, uh, you just know if you like nailed it and like gave it your all and like to quote Kobe Bryant, left it all on the floor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you just know if you did that. And so then if you don't get it, I guess for me, there's nothing really to question about what I would have done different. It's the times when, um, I know I love Kobe too. Rest in peace to Kobe. I know. It's the times when like you, you don't put the work in, you don't pre- your, your prep isn't there. And then it's you're. Funny cause it's funny you mentioned Kobe and the work and discipline. I mean, that was, that was a guy that did put in the work, whether people loved him or 
didn't love him. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. has to acknowledge that his work ethic was just un like insane. Yeah. Insane. You know. I, I often um, liken acting to sports. It's very similar. I'm so happy you also say that because I say that about filmmaking all the time. I'm like, you have to treat it like I've studied, even though I'm not even really, I'm not into sports. I used to play basketball. When I was oh, young, really? But, uh, you know, like I just don't have time to really follow yeah, yeah. things that I used to yeah. follow. But I do, I will read books about athletes. Mm. About, like even I read it, uh, a book that was by Kobe Bryant, one of his uh, trainers. And he also trained and worked with Michael Jordan. And I'll read books about sports psychology sometimes because I mm. think there, there needs to be that same level of intensity for yeah. this career that we're pursuing. You know, that same yes. level of discipline, that same level of every day, you have to like really push yourself. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, I guess, like in for an actor, there's, you know, you can say a line or maybe you're on set or you're work, you know, you can say a line and like, let's say it, you kind of, it doesn't come out the way you want to say it or you kind of fuck up. Right. You have to be able to like a tennis player, be able to like keep your head in the game and just like, let it go in a second. Probably similar analogy. to if you're like on set and you're directing, I don't know. There's you're bombarded with like, um, questions, questions all right? day long it, it's, it, it's, it's it, non-stop and you better have answers <laughs> as so, a director you better have answers yeah you um, better have okay yeah. so I have a story about that my uh, ex-husband was a director and he worked uh he directed Roman Polanski in a film and this was when my ex-husband's career was just he was like in his 20s right and this was a big opportunity for him and anyway he he, he they were in Russia they were shooting this movie it was called um I can't remember. I'll think of it. But anyway, um, it, uh, so he... I didn't even know that Roman Polanski acted. He did. Um, yeah. it's a, it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You could, I yeah. it. But um, so my ex kept, you know, like, you know, wardrobe. Which dress should it be? And which set color do you like? And which da-da-da. And, you know, so my ex, like, said, I, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, how about that one? And... Roman said to him, you know, this is like advice that he gave him. He said, you know, there's a thousand ways to do it right and a thousand ways to do it wrong. Just pick one. And my yeah. ex said that it like freed him from that moment on. Like just make a decision. That's you know, so, if it's the wrong one, you just got to move on. It's such good advice. I think, I'm, I think that's one of my skill sets is just I'm, I'm quick with those sorts of uh, nonstop decisions. Decision making. Um, and actually, I got to say one thing that really inspired me, uh, like that nobody gave me that advice, but I was, when I was younger, I attended, um, it was like, you know, when I, when I should say when I was first starting out getting into filmmaking and I was really serious about wanting to get into filmmaking, I didn't know anybody and I didn't, I, I decided to like just attend Sundance as just like oh. a film fan. Right. And yeah. I was watching movies there and this is like 2009. Right. Okay. And so then, you know, it was like around the time I was making my first short film, you know, and I attended it and I saw a documentary there about Anna Winter. You know who she is? Oh, yeah, Anna Winter, yeah. Uh, so Vogue she, Magazine. Yeah, Vogue Magazine. And the, the documentary was called The September Issue. And so for mm. those of you guys that don't know, Anna Winter, she's like the queen of the fashion world. There, that movie, The Devil Wears Prada, it was basically right. based off her. 
And she, right. she sort of decides, like there's literally meetings with her mm-hmm. and different companies of what's going to be in that September issue of Vogue and all these different companies, like high-end companies and even like lower tier companies, like we're like, okay, well, the fashion is going to change depending on what is inside that issue. And it was so right. fascinating for me as like a lay person that doesn't understand anything about that world. And just the way they followed her around, I was like, wow, she's so revered. What makes her so great? And she's always answering questions. They were always bombarded with questions like, hey, Anna, yeah. we do this photo spread or that photo spread? She's like, that one. I hate that one. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow. I was like, you know what? I was like, this lady doesn't have a fucking crystal ball. She's just <laughs> really decisive. She's just like, and there's a power to being really, really decisive. You know, like yeah. it's kind of like what you were talking about, the same exact thing with Roman Polanski, but I just yeah. learned that from watching this documentary. And I was like, you know what? There's such a power to being that decisive. And I'm like, that's how decisive I'm going to be when I'm on set. Like, you know, because you could always toggle yeah. things around if you don't like it. If you say the yellow dress and it's just clashing in the frame, you know, or, you know, you have the actor, whatever, making like one, some sort of blocking decision versus another mm-hmm. one. But just being that decisive really... Um, right there's a power to that and and you are asked a lot of questions when you're on set like at the end of every day a lot of times on a movie set when i'm going to sleep that night all i hear is zeph 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 like i just hear my name because it's like that's what's asked all day long you know it's yeah like literally hundreds of questions you know yeah i mean and i guess at the end of the day like there is no right answer there's no right way to do it, it it's art it's subjective it's you know yeah. Right. And then also, I, I do think if you're in a groove of being decisive, you get into a groove of a state of a flow of consciousness where you are then mm. making the right answer. You mm. are sort of like... You're in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone. Exactly. Yeah. You're in the zone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Victor has a question. Have you ever worked with a director that was unprofessional? What do you do when situations like that come up? Um, well, if by unprofessional, if you mean like me too, I've never been me too. Um, <laughs> thank God. Um, that's good. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, unprofessional. Um, have you, I ever mean, been, have you ever had somebody that's like super jerky? Like maybe not like, like me too, but just somebody that's like, man, they are being unnecessarily, they are just being mean for no reason. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get these like, which is not very common but sometimes there have been occasions where i've had like guy directors that have just like they're like they have tempers you can tell in their real life they have tempers and they have like these egos and um it's just like not an effective way to communicate um but i think for the most part like look there are some some directors that have a hard time actually like communicating what they want that can be a little tricky and then you get into this whole like, well, do they like what I'm doing? And should I do something different? Um, I, but I think I experienced no, that's a more good, of that. That's a good to, thing to talk about because that's like some, that's like some, like inside baseball, really. That people don't really, they don't teach you mm. that in film school or or something. But that's like a very practical thing to kind of. Yeah, and I think like I experienced more of that and it w- I was more affected by it when I was coming up um, because I think I was relying more on them to like give me approval. I mean, at the end of the day, every actor wants 
the director's approval. You want to know, like, am I giving you what you want? But I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to like take responsibility for myself. Um, and, you know, try to not like rely so much because like, especially in episodic, you just, you're getting like, these guys are coming on to episodes and they're like the new kid in the class too. For Right. Right. Directors on TV is different than directors in a feature film for yes. guys that don't, aren't aware. And, you know, the showrunners are actually even, you know, they're more of the boss than the directors are in episodic TV. Would you, yes. that's the case? That is the case. And yeah. so they, from their perspective are like, just trying to like, stay afloat they you know they've coming they're coming on to this episode they're trying yeah. to learn all the players they're trying to like follow the storyline um as the showrunner you know t- tells t- tells them they want it executed but then they're also trying to like put their own stamp on it um it looks i mean some directors are just like better at communicating with actors they're like actors directors you know yeah yeah um but i had this one kid like recently he was like you know probably in his twenties and he had done like a lot of music videos and he was like super excited and like want to do all these like fancy, like <laughs> camera angles. Um, this is for a lifetime movie, by the way. <laughs> and, um, you know, and he had a hard time like communicating, um, what he wanted, but it was like, I was like, all right, it's okay. I got you. Like, yeah, I know what you're trying to say, you know? Yeah, so that's funny. Yeah. How did it turn out? Um, it actually turned out like pretty good. I wasn't super crazy about like some of his camera angles because I felt like they just got in the way of like the storytelling. Gotcha. I think there's a t- yeah, it there's was, a like style, stylistic, but not yeah. necessarily for without the narrative. purpose. Yeah, right. Yeah. Without purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that too because that's something that'll sound familiar to my students. That you know, I talk about especially once we get into like talking about camera movement. You know, I'm talking about unmotivated movement versus motivated movement and. You know, I'm I'm very much a storyteller that tries to do things like purposefully, mm. know, just like throwing things in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than like a few funky camera angles, yeah, it turned out it was fine. All right, it's fine. Good. Yeah. Um, Michael is asking, how was it working with Hugh Laurie on the set of on cat on house? house? Yeah, mm. I have a funny story about Hugh Laurie after that. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he's a character. He's, like, super fucking talented. And, like, he's, you know, he's been doing this forever. Um, yeah, he, is a, he is a character. He was lovely. Total gentleman. Um, he was nice to all the guest cast. Yeah, he was a lovely man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell my story real quick. Yeah. When – Many years ago, my friend George, my friend Georgie Pushka, who's a great Georgie friend. Georgie Pushka. Georgie Pushka. Great name. And yeah, he's he's just a larger than life sort of guy. He's really interesting guy. And at one point, he was talking about he's like, I want to get into start to do like party promotions in New York City. And you know, we were out like clubbing one night, and he's like, that that club would be a great venue. He's like, let me. Let me go and talk to like the manager. Like, so we go, there's like this huge line outside of this, like, I forget which club it was. I forget if it was Crowbar, you know, someplace that was just like bumping during that time. It was like 2005, mm-hmm. you know, and we we're like 22 years old, 20. You know, yeah. Maybe he was like 23 or something. And the manager 
some, you know, he asked the bouncer, who do I talk to about like booking this place or, or whatever? He's like, you got to talk to the manager. His name is Rick. He's like, he's coming out right now. And I saw that he was like talking to somebody. And George is so aggressive, like not like oh, aggressive, but just like assertive. Right. And so he's reaching over the velvet rope and tapping the manager. But the manager is talking to somebody that just came outside of the club that's complaining. He's like, oh. this club is shit. He's like, the wait staff, like, like was obnoxious and blah, blah, blah. And he's apologizing. And I see there was Hugh Laurie. You know, so oh, like, I was you. like, oh my God. And then George kept tapping the guy on the shoulder. I was like, George, stop. Like, give him a minute. Like, he's uh-huh, like, uh-huh. He's talking to Can't you see who he's talking to? Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's the dude from the house. He's yeah. like, he like, I don't care. I, got, I want to talk to him. I was like, yeah, but he's going to care. And he wants to like, you know, that's an important guest for him. So right. like, give him a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it was so funny. Yeah, we know he um he talked on set in his English act in in his American accent. I'm he so, never I'm so happy you said that because yeah. that's what tripped me up. I was like, that's Hugh Laurie, but he's talking it. I was like, I know he's a British dude, but I swear to God, he's speaking with an American accent right now. Yeah. So I'm, oh, I'm really? So, he's yeah. It was so accent. weird. He was oh, speaking to an American accent, and it it almost made me think. I was like, that's definitely him. Like a hundred percent, it's him. But I'm like, why is he speaking with an American accent instead of a British accent? So yes, he, he never broke like, it. Like during so that's while fasc- he was filming, that's so he fascinating never, that you say broke. that because I always wondered yeah. about that. So I'm glad you met. I was like, I was literally going to just ask you, but I forgot before <laughs> when you were talking about. <laughs> uh, I was like, did he speak with an American accent or a British accent? Because when I heard yes. him outside of the club, he was talking with an American accent. Uh, was, was it when? Was it must have been while he was filming? While House? while House was going on for sure. Okay. Yeah. So I yeah, wonder they, if he was just doing something in character because like he was like complaining to this like I now wonder if he was just doing some weird character work. Hmm. I don't know. He right. was not speaking with a British accent, I will tell you that. It was definitely yeah. him and he was speaking with an American accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe it was like hard for him to break at night. Yeah, yeah. I don't That's know. Maybe so he like <laughs> yeah, maybe I, he only spoke an American accent I, for the whole duration of this. Season, I always wondered show. about that for like for the longest time, I'm like, why is this? Du-? I'm like, I know this dude is British, but 100% he was speaking with an American accent. And so yeah. I'm glad that you just mentioned that tidbit because it's something I always wondered about. Um, all right. So Victor is asking, on set, Hi, were you ever asked to do... So Victor is an essential worker. He's not on the cast tonight, but we, we salute Victor for doing his essential oh, work. Oh, cool. Thank you, he Victor. Is, he listens to it. Stay safe. Definitely stay safe. Um, so Victor's asking, were, on set, were you ever asked to do something that made you feel uncomfortable or uneasy? Um, uncomfortable or uneasy. Hmm. I don't, nothing's coming to mind. Like I said, I, I never had any occasions where anybody like, um, you know, was inappropriate with me, with me, like in a sexual way. Um, well, that's good to also good to hear because, you know, it's good to hear that there's good people in the industry too. It's not just yeah. all horror stories, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I can't think of anything. All right. That's good. That's really good. I mean, look, I did have this one experience with this director, but I kind of actually was like fascinated and it was like, he was so highly entertaining in his like complete craziness that I went back and did like two more jobs for him. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was actually like a businessman. 
Canadian businessman and um, he wanted to be a filmmaker. So he financed his own films. He wrote them, he starred in them and he directed them. Um, he was able to like assemble these amazing casts. I worked with James Caan. I worked with Martin Landau, uh, Doris Roberts before wow, she died, Paul amazing. Sorvino, Mira yeah. Sorvino, um, Bal James Caan. Daniel Baldwin, That's awesome. uh, Chris Christopherson. I mean, Chris like Christopherson. serious yeah. legends, right? Yeah. So I was kind of like, hmm, this sounds like crazy. And the script is only like 50 pages, but I think I'm going to do it. You know, like it was like cash wired into my bank account before I even like took off. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. This guy, like he would direct with like scotch in his hand. <laughs> like yelling and screaming at people. We didn't rehearse. We just like shot. The script was out the window. It was all improv. But I mean, there was something like kind of crazy. We, we finished every day at um, seven o'clock because he liked to do these big um, Italian style dinners. And he'd bring like bottles of Barola. And here I got to like talk to all these like actors that, you know. Is this guy still making movies? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm so curious. I want him to finance my next film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can tell you more after we're Yeah, off, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. It was just such a like a show, you know, like the, this he just was like a tyrant yelling and screaming and you know but he had this like loyal crew who I think everybody was kind of in it for the same reason I was like is this guy for real like are you fucking kidding me like anyway and this guy was to, Tommy Wiseau <laughs> no, to his credit like to his credit he got his movies made and um yeah. you know so are you familiar with The Room The Room the, me the the movie the room yeah the yeah the movie and like just like that whole story of now they made the movie with James Franco playing oh. the made the room. yeah no I don't think I am oh my it? god it's such a fascinating so what you're talking about kind of reminds me of this guy that made it's widely regarded as one of the worst films of all time but it's gained some sort of cult notoriety yeah. like where people will go see showings of it um, and just to make fun of it and just kind of like it's it's a guy named tommy wiseau who, oh yes yeah, yes yes finance. okay yes i did see the movie i did see it I yeah, didn't yeah. Know. i forgot it was called the room yeah yeah and yes that now they made um like the kind of uh kind of like like a, a dramatized like fictional making of the room with oh cool James franco playing tommy wiseau that came out a couple years ago which was really great and actually there's a book uh, about the, I have to find the name of the book, but I think it's called like something, the disaster. Uh, and like, it was like the, like the co-writer or not the co-writer, but the co-star of the room who was an actual working actor and just uh -huh. him telling about how he met this guy, Tommy Wiseau in an acting class. And he was like, this guy was so bizarre, so crazy, but somehow I ended up in his orbit and something yeah. we were talking about. It, it, I mean, this is <laughs> more, this is way more extreme than what you're talking about. Cause at least the projects that you're talking about had like actual noteworthy people. Like you got to work with James Caan and Chris yeah. Christopherson. And, yeah. 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 You know, like he didn't have those sorts of people in his. Right. Orbit, no, I totally, what was, but the, the, the movie that Franco did, what that was that called? The, the disaster or? artist. 
the disaster artist. That's and now I just right, remember right, the right. name of the book, and it's based off the book. And it's such it was such a good book. So then when the movie came out, I was like, oh my god, I just read that book, The Disaster Artist, and now they made the movie of it. It's it yeah. Brilliant. No, that was classic. Like I love Franco. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's he can like make fun of himself. And, yeah, know. I liked him in uh, This Is the End. I thought that was really oh yeah, clever. like he went <laughs> so over the top. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Damien is asking if you could work with another living actor, living or deceased. Like, who would be like another dream actor or actress that you would want to co-star with in a in a movie of all time? Any anybody of all time, whether they're alive or dead. Oh. Hmm. <clears throat> wow. Um, That's a, yeah. Well, so uh, I like De Niro. Um, hmm. I like like Kate Winslet. Yeah, she's uh, so good. Yeah, she's so good. Um, dude, Jason Bateman. How about that one? That's I'd love to too. work with him. Yeah, yeah. He's, great. he's so talented. Like he can just do comedy, do drama. Um, I saw him at a and I was at a screening with him and I got to ask him some questions and stuff. Oh, you did? Um, yeah. Uh, it was a movie that he directed called Bad Words, I think it was called. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see that, but that would, I would I think love it was called Bad a Q&A Words. with him. You know, but that was, it was pretty good. It was, it was a clever film. It was about this guy who's like, uh, he figured out a loophole that he could enter all these into all these spelling bees. Like it's usually just kids like doing these spelling bee uh, things, but he wanted to, for some reason, become the spelling bee champion. And he's like, you know, people are just so pissed off at him. Cause you're like, what is this grown man doing competing uh-huh. in spelling bees? And it's usually uh, kids, you know, uh-huh. and it was, just, is it was he great. in it as well? He's in it as well. Okay. I've got, I got to see that. Yeah. Which I always give credit to actors that, especially if it's their directorial debut, if it's like a movie they're directing and also in it, that's got to be tough. That's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that's fascinating. Bateman was? Oh, as a kid. Yeah. I remember oh. him when he was in The Hogan Family. Do you well, remember that show? Just, yes, I do. He's like had the most amazing career. Like, you're right. He was this like kid actor and then he kind of dropped off. He was like a teen beat like star you know and then he kind of dropped off and then did arrested development and just made this like legit like interesting career for himself uh yeah it's funny because i love arrested development too sorry i just had to respond yeah. to real quick yeah, no um worries. so damien is also asking wait so like jason Bateman, that's a good that's a good <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a good one He's he's seen, he's such a character. I haven't I haven't been up on Ozark. I saw yeah. like the first season and uh-huh. I started watching the second season, but somehow I sort of fell off from the show. I know. I'm in like the middle of season two. Okay, yeah, same. That's where I left yeah. off. So I gotta continue that. Well, time. like we have kids, so it's like hard to like, Yeah, exactly. It really <laughs> we have so is. much time. I, exactly. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Um so what's an advantage? of starring in a streaming show such as Swamp Thing as opposed to regular television series? Does it make a difference from your side? Okay, so I did um, Hemlock Grove, which was for Netflix, which was one of the first original um, shows that Netflix produced. And like at the time, you know, I was like, what is this Netflix thing? <laughs> you know, and they're only going to pay me how much, <laughs> you know? And, uh, 
but it was like really cool uh, storyline. And, you know, I got to play Dugray Scott's um, wife and Famke Johnson was in it. And um, like, it's, it was such a cool story. Right. And so then I get to set and we're working and I'm noticing like, wow, there's like no producers like hovering around over like every little word, you know, it's just the vibe was different. That's awesome. Than at, than at your typical like network show that I was used to doing. They like Netflix in that, and this was like early days, they left the showrunners like completely like on their own to just go do this show. And these guys um, who, who created the show, one wrote, a, wrote the book and then created the show, um, Brian McGreevy and Lee Shipman. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they had had experience ever running a show. They weren't like your typical showrunners. They were like these like super talented creative guys that like had an idea for a show and, and they were given was it, the opportunity. Was it more like an independent film like that kind of vibe yes a hundred percent it had like an independent vibe feel to it and the first season it like part of the critique was that it was like super non-linear it was kind of like watching a 13 hour um you know like a, a indie film there wasn't like at times there wasn't like structure to it i actually liked that aspect and i thought it made it like super unique they then like picked it up for a season two and they hired, they got, they, I think, I don't know if they got rid of those guys, but they hired like a proper showrunner um, and they ended up doing like three seasons total. But I'm just saying like that first episode, that first um, season was not like any other television experience that I've had. Now, I don't know if like streaming shows, I, I think it's probably changed, you know, I, I did a, an episode of Swamp Thing that was a guest star. You would have thought I was walking on to like a $50 million like film. Cause I mean, they had all the bells and whistles. It, it was a huge, it was a huge, huge set. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. So I have a feeling like um, that, that my experience on Hemlock Grove was sort of a special, you know, oh, that's early cool. days. I wonder how like the days. early days of uh, Orange is the New Black. If mm, kind of would probably like, be similar yeah because it was like right after our show yeah I think house of cards was first yeah that's fascinating Venture. that's that's really interesting to me yeah um, so that's really that's really like all the student questions I, I would like to open up the forum if it's okay with you with like the, sure. the folks that are on the line totally uh, you can ask me anything you want yeah if, if you guys that are on the line if you want to turn on your cameras and unmute yourselves and if you want to say hi to Lori and ask any questions hi feel free to do so hello hi michael hi hi Lori. i just wanted to say hello and say um thanks for, for you know imparting your knowledge um in the for, you know in the industry tonight with us um i learned a lot and i wanted i forget what i was going to say um Oh, with respect to working on CSI, do yeah. do they do they have actual law enforcement like I guess advising on those shows? 
Yes, uh, 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 they have consultants. And anyway, you're welcome, Michael. It's lovely to meet you. And um, I hope that I'm <laughs> answering everybody's questions. Um, yeah, they have like um, with like legal shows and cop shows, they always have a, like a consultant, like an ex-cop or like an ex-lawyer or it, like on house. They had this guy that was an ex-doctor and he then became a producer. Um, yeah, they, they definitely have like those people on those kinds of shows. All right. Do you know who Do you know who Dennis Farina is? I mean, he yes. died already, but yeah, like the actor, like he was one yes. of those sorts of guys. Did you know that he was like an actual cop for like twenty something years in Chicago, oh, and he was like I... a technical assistant uh, mm. advisor and a friend to the film director Michael Mann. Oh wow! Heat, oh, and directed okay. the movie Thief, and um, so before he was an actor, before he did Snatch, before he did all that stuff. He was a cop. And then he was one of those guys. He was a technical oh, advisor to like, that's interesting. Those, and then somehow got the bug. And I thought Dennis Farina was great. I was, He's great. I was a fan of his. Yeah. Yeah. I loved yeah. And then, snatch. um, and then I did the unsolved, which was the story that unsolved the murders of Tupac and notorious B I G. And that was of course written by an ex cop, the ex cop detective, Greg. Oh, Kane, that guy that, pool, right. Or no. That, different um, Kading, Doug Kading, Kading. Okay. Greg, Greg Kading, Greg Kading. Yeah. So that I tracked him down. I didn't see it, but uh, what was his theory? Was his theory that like Suge Knight was behind both of them? Or? Oh my God. <laughs> there <laughs> were right. so many. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's hard it's to keep actually track. actually a good but, question, and I yeah. actually should know the answer to this. Uh, it's hard Basically, to keep track. Basically, at the stuff. end, there were like a lot of characters in. Um, oh, thanks, Michael. There was a lot of characters in that show. And it was like really hard to keep track of all the players. But um, I think at the end of the day, the problem was just like they couldn't get anybody to testify. Um, yeah, that's how it every, They were either dying in prison or nobody was talking. And so they couldn't, they couldn't nail, they couldn't nail the killer. How many times has that happened? So many times, right? It's about over yeah. the years. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, like this show have you seen tiger king on netflix oh my god <laughs> yeah we watched it yeah me and my wife binged on that and we don't binge on we're not like big bingers but that one was like i just could not take my eyes off it I was like, like my jaw was like this the whole time like, it's like you can't make this if like and me and my co-writer were talking about that we're like, if you made up characters like this in a screenplay, people would be like, no, you got to taper it down because this is so over the top. Nobody would ever believe this. Yeah. It's so <laughs> true. It's so true. Um, um, so that, yeah, yeah, that's another one. Carol Baskin. That woman is like, in my oh opinion, my she's guilty. Do you, and now it looks like they're going to open up the criminal investigation. <laughs> I hope they do. Cause she's yeah. so arrogant. It's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I know. And like, okay, bye. None of those people, um, I don't think any of them had actually ever been to like Africa to see these animals in their natural habitats. Yeah, I know. It was wild how I know in the beginning how she was like portraying herself like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. Meanwhile, she had like smaller cages than the other guys. You're like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, you know? Oh my God. Like her house. Or staff or anything. Yeah. She's that, that show. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were crazy. all just crazy characters. Crazy. So yeah. does anybody else have any questions for Lori? I see uh 
Matt's on the line. Matt, do you want to say hi? If not, it's okay. Jeff. Um, hi, Matt. Good to see you. you hi, um, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just have a question. Um, like, I guess, like, what characters, like, some of your favorite characters from, like, um, television or movies, if they were going to go ahead and, like, remake that particular television show or movie, would you say, hey, I, I have to play that character. I want to do my interpretation of that particular character. Are there any? Um, actually, yeah. You know the Jeffrey Epstein? It's not a, she's not a character. She's a real-life person. But the, um, the woman that was dating him that was, like, involved with luring the girls – I'm blanking on her name, Griselda. I would love to play that part. That is some dark shit that that woman was doing. Like, Jesus, that's so dark. Yeah. I know it's so dark. But there's this, you know, I'd like, oof, I would love to like explore, explore that. That's the first one that comes to me. Um, was that the one that went to Israel? Then they found like she was like like in Brazil, and then went to Israel, and then. You know, that sort of thing. Well, it was... It was, was I know he had a few friends. women like that, you know. That, no, it was the main one, Griselda. The main one, she came from money, she dated him, and then she became, like, the, the woman that was, like, luring these young girls yeah. for him. She she was completely complicit, you know. And, I, I, in fact, I think she, they're, they're trying to arrest her, but she's, she's uh, fled the country. Right, yes, okay. I was familiar with that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> anywho. <laughs> that's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what else? And like another character. Um, I mean, that's the first one that came to mind. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's my dark. My dark good. side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dark. Well, side. I think that's the good thing about art is you could explore these things and in a way where you're not. Yeah. Harming people, you know, you're just kind of you're playing. I like, agree. Inhabiting these characters, but you're not. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. I like. I've never been one, and I, I know, to pick up a part and say like, well, I just I can't play this part. Like that's like you're immediately judging. You're you're judging, and you're doing like all of us a disservice. You know, I mean, look, there's some really dark characters out there. Um, serial killers, Absolutely. murders, rapists, like, but it's like these stories need to be told. So I don't think it's up to me to say like, well, I can't say that or I can't do that. I don't, it's like, a, it, I, it's like as an actor, you're, you're trying to like get into their shoes and have an empathetic like mindset, you know? Yeah. yeah no, I, th I think that's, that's, uh, it's good advice for sure. Yeah. And I've heard I've heard other actors say that too. And and just in general, I think like, you know, as I've progressed as a filmmaker, you're trying to understand characters and you're trying to understand people and you're trying to explore the human condition. And if mm. and if you're trying to understand it, especially it ties into the writing. And if you're trying to write these characters or just people in general, let's say you're spending time with somebody. If you're trying to understand somebody and you're trying to judge that person at the same time, you can't really do both. You can't you know? do both. I agree. And, it, and it's not necessarily that you have to be sympathetic for that person, but having empathy and having sympathy is two different things, you know? Right. Right, right. Because at the end of the day, you know, I get to go home at night and, like, thank God I'm not this person, this horrible person. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, I don't take it home 
I don't take it home with me. I'm not like super methody like that yeah. where I, you know, <laughs> you'd be a train wreck. You'd be a wreck. I know. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, uh, a Christian Bale is like that, right? I mean, he's like a super methody sort of actor, yeah. I feel like, you know, yeah, there's certain I've actors that are, you know. Uh, I've heard it, and everybody has their process. You everybody know, has I get their it. Process. Yeah, you 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 get on a set, and like you know, you you you're working with all these different creative people, and every you have to like respect everybody's process. Yeah, for sure. I love that part of it, you know, and I love working with actors. So I think in that sense, I'm an actor's sort of director. Um, mm. I mean, I think I toggle between both because I'm very technically oriented too but mm. but i i have such a deep respect for what you guys bring to the table and i do mm. like to give a lot of leeway um for instance well, in a future film like you know I, I encourage improvisation like we had a script but i did encourage you know people to that's great their own. i love i love improv but it's also nice that you have that technical background because a lot of directors i feel like nowadays they rely a lot on their dp a lot on the lighting and they don't and they, know like some of them technical. hide in video village too you yeah know? and i don't do like, that they're like give me this but they don't know how that what it takes to get that and um i always appreciate directors that like really have a strong sense of camera and and lighting and can communicate with their dp yeah i spend a lot of time communicating with my dp <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> i mean really i mean we have a really close collaboration like it's to a point where if i can't sleep at night um i call him on the phone and i'll drive around at three o'clock in the morning and then we get into these deeply technical <laughs> conversations about filmmaking and this guy is always awake too so uh -huh. I, I call him <laughs> and he's out, yeah. like yeah uh -huh. blah 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 like what do you I, think about I was, th I was thinking about that color palette uh -huh. you know, for this scene it, you know it's, it's do it's you funny. use the same dp on all your projects uh, now at this point it's like it would feel like i'm cheating if i did you know that's how it's <laughs> right. become it's like you know and right. i and i joke around about that with him i'm like alex i'm like how why are you allowed to work with other directors but i i can't work and with I'm other not. he's like he's like well when those other when those other dps pay you to work with them then you can work with those other dps i'm like all right we joke around <laughs> right you know? but i but i truly do enjoy uh working with alex um you know because the DP director collaboration is, is such an important one. And then, you know, you end up sort of, um, I think when it's done the right way, kind of like reach new, like put, like we sort of push each other to reach mm. new creative levels, you know? Mm, that's so good. Like you want that in any kind of collaboration. Yeah. So with somebody exactly. that's kind of like push you a little bit. And one that evolves over time. So it's been nice to kind of evolve over time like we'll, we'll have like deep discussions like over time like hey what what direction are we trying to like push ourselves into like how mm. kind of techniques could we do that would really push the envelope and like what could we do to kind of push the form you know and just mm. that sort of thing you know and then you build a shorthand like because we've worked with each other so much then you sort of build like a shorthand you know in terms of you know we're, we're on the same page about a lot of things we know what yeah you know, we've had our fights, you know, too. So yeah. we know like what pisses each other off or like, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, yeah. we do respect each other. So it's like, you know, then if I was to work with a new DP, like, um, 
you know, then it's just, it's a whole new thing. I'm not saying I couldn't do it. You know, it's just, it just becomes like a, a new thing. So I, you know, and, and Alex is really good too. That's the other thing. It's, it, it's not like I'm just settling by working with him. He's like, he's, you know, he really he's has, really a, good. he has a, a profound understanding about light and color and mm. you know, that he, you know, he brings a lot to the table. Do you write as well? I do. Yeah. I'm a writer director. So how do you feel about like when you're on set then and um, you know, how do you feel about people like saying like, you know, maybe we can like an actor, they come on, like how much, how much leeway like, do input? I give them? Yeah. Like so how much I had a situation. I'm not precious about, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I, it's important to take your ego out of it. You know, there's sometimes I'm particular and I might say, Hey, let's try this take as it is on the, on the page let's have mm. it as it is on the page and then let's try it a different way let's try it your way you know you want to mix something up and make it your own let's let's try it that way and then you know we could always leave it for the editing room to kind of decide which take that we're going to end up using works better but you know I, i'm a big believer and i was just talking about this the other night on one of the casts i try to take my ego outside of it you know because mm. if you're like well that's the way i did it that's the way I wrote it, or that's the way it might be better, but it might not be better. What if somebody mm -hmm. else has a better idea and then they bring mm. a better idea to the table, you know, and then you're not using that better idea because for what, just because like your ego is telling you like, Hey, well, I'm, I'm the boss. Like, you know, we're yeah. my way or the highway. I mean, the whole thing is a collaborative medium, you know? So it's yeah. like, I think it's so important to have a vision and, be so like you know determined in that vision but at the same time you don't want to be so you don't want to pigeonhole yourself so like you know you you can't be so narrow that like you know you're you you have that you're closed off, off to yeah other. you're closed off to other ideas that might yeah. actually enhance the story or like drive right. the narrative you know right so i'll give you an example like I, I when i made my feature film the trouble we were shooting one scene where i, I had written these villains, they were playing dominoes. And I guess the scene that I wrote was probably more PG 13 versus rated R. Like, you know, and one of the actors said to me, he's like, you know, Zef, I just think these guys would be more vulgar than this. Like, I just think like, I'm like, all right, you want to like, you know, you want to go there, go there. If you think like that would be more authentic to um what these characters would be saying and then when you watch it it's like pretty like <laughs> they're speaking very vulgar and it's mm. about like you know you know like what they're gonna do and this and that and, you know uh things that just wouldn't fly out of my mouth you know but like but it was more authentic and so you know so you kept you kept it absolutely yeah we kept mm. it yeah that's cool. I think like, I mean, yeah, if time permits you, right. And why not? Like if, if an actor is like adamant, like I really think we should try it this way. I mean, why yeah. not? And then you see if it works in the editing room, right? Even Quentin Tarantino, who's like, he's very, very particular. Some directors are more particular about the word. Some writer directors like Noah Baumbach, right. I heard mm. in marriage story. He's like, he does not want a single word to be changed. Oh, interesting. Single word, because, you know, wow. and that's one of the parameters that he works with. And Greta Gerwig, who I guess is like his fiance or, you know, like they're together, mm. but they're oh. all collaborators. And mm -hmm. she was like, you know, like that's a parameter. She's like, I come from an improv background, but she's like, I like that Noah like makes us stick to the words. Like 
you know? And so it, there's just different ways of doing things. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. a, um, I'm, I'm a little bit looser with the words. Like, you know, like Scorsese is a little bit looser with the words. Like when he was shooting Goodfellas, like there was like mm. improvisation or like on certain scenes versus Tarantino, who's really strict with like the exact words mm. written. Um, but even Tarantino, he was, he gave a, a great piece of insight that he's like, you know, I try not to be too specific on my first notes of direction with the actors, like, especially when it comes to like the audition, because they might bring something to the table that I didn't think of. Like they might have an interpretation of the character that I didn't think of. And that might interpretation might be a great one. And so that's why mm. I try not to be too like overly specific with that first bit of direction. Then you kind mm. of like, like, you know, you know mold them a little bit right exactly it's like clay that you know at first it's soft and then you kind of you know right it, like you said you know that's cool yeah i really like um i love improving like i just I find it, it to be yeah. so exciting like as long as you everybody knows the story and you've talked it out and you've you, you know you really have to like know the parameters of the story really well and everybody kind of be on the same page but then like kind of throw it out and just see what happens that can be really like exciting and just yes. like a real adrenaline kick of where is this going and keeping it like fresh i agree totally and we did a lot of that on my feature the trouble like we we had written a script but at in the earliest discussions about the film we were like are we only going to have an outline like, are we only going to have like a script in it? But we thought that, that would be too risky. So we like wrote a script that, you know, yeah. knowing that we were going to encourage, you know, the heavy. I think that's smart to like have the full script first. And yeah, then yeah. Go off page. Well, it's, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Especially for us, like, it was, I, I think it would have just been too much of a risk, just like kind of like completely just flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> like, we had to have some sort of like specific direction of like where this is going to land. Like, you know, like, I know. Yeah, Robbie David like just does scriptments with like curb your enthusiasm, which I love. Oh by the way, I think oh my god, I love wow. that show. So, it's, so it's what does brilliant. he do? He does what? Like these, like uh, like scriptments, which is just it's just like a treatment. He'll have like a mm. you know just like an outline of the show, mm. and like every scene is improv. I wonder like how much they rehearse on that show. I don't think they do a lot of rehearsing. Right. I don't know. You might be right, but I just can't imagine that on a show like that and just sort of. Um, I just feel like there would be such a danger to re overly rehearsing a show like that. Like, yeah. I think you'd want to roll those rehearsals because like something would be like brilliant. I think they probably just, yeah. but no, it's a good question. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't maybe, know. maybe if they, when they have guest stars come on that are not familiar with the show, they, maybe they rehearse with them, but I, I, you're probably right. Like with the main characters they are so used to one another. They like, they, they don't, but they probably don't rehearse. They probably don't need to. Because so they I, know they're comfortable with the process. How much rehearsals do you do versus like how many productions do you do you get to have rehearsals versus how many of them are just like shooting? Oh, in general. Um, yeah, you, I would say there's there's generally always um, a rehearsal. Um, you know, if if it's like a low budget and time is money and. Um, then the rehearsal turns into like a camera rehearsal. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you know, and, but if you need another one as an actor, you need to like say, no, I, I need, now that you've got your camera good, I need one for the actors. Yeah. Um, That's good. Also good advice because I was, um, somebody was just saying that the other day, somebody was saying the same exact thing or like I read it in an interview and I can't remember from where or who, or who was talking about it, but I think it's totally valid. Um, I think they were asking a director, like somebody was saying like, Hey, what if an actor wants to do another one? Like, is that, are they being like a diva? Or are they not? They're like, no, no. If they want to do another one, I think that's, it's a totally reasonable. Another request. take. Yeah. Another take. That's a totally oh, reasonable request. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I learned this, this little trick from this actor that I'd worked with. He's, he's been around forever. Uh, he's very, uh, you know, works all the time. Yeah. And um, so when it's, when it, it was on his close-up, um, he's doing his close-up. If he doesn't like the way he says a line, he'll just say it again. He'll start and stop and say it again so that they have like four different versions of the same line versus waiting for the director to yell cut and then like, hey, can I get another one? He'll just say it right in the middle of the take, one right after the other. Yeah. I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. But yeah, I think, I think there's nothing wrong with like, you kind of have to like gauge the set because, you know, these like low budgets, you, you understand that like they just don't have the time to give you, you know, like five takes sometimes. So you kind of gauge and like if it's the end of the day, you know, you just kind of got to play that by ear. Yeah, that's, that's also good advice that you, you have to read the room. Yeah, you got to read the room. I mean, like, if it's a pivotal scene and it's emotional and, you know, you want another one, then, yeah, you should say something. Um, I don't like to rehearse, like, if it's a, um, like a, a really emotional scene. I like to, like, just save that for the take. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? Well, good stuff, Lori. I really, really appreciate talking to you. And Same. That was, like kind of fun yeah it was fun yeah <laughs> no, it actually was really fun nice um i enjoyed speaking to you as well zeph well thank and all you your students again appreciate you so much and you're giving some great advice and and hope I'm, to talk i to hope you i hope was to helpful. To, hope to talk to brian soon tell brian i said hello as well i, I absolutely yeah. will for sure yeah. thank you so much you guys enjoy and good luck and stay safe out there stay safe have a good night okay. Later.